chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. So if you could look up Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14 to 21. And when you find that, if you could uh, please stand. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that, you, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Lord, we ask, Lord, that we not only would not quench the Holy Spirit, but that you would renew your Spirit in us and that we would have the fullness of the Spirit and we would live victoriously for you. Help us, Lord, to understand how we can live and be renewed by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In, the, uh, in Ephesians, in chapter 3, verse 16, it said, Paul said that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So Paul, it's sort of interesting here. He's talking to these uh, the people from Ephesus and he's telling them that he wants them to be strengthened with might by the spirit of the inner man. And even later on, he talks about being, the, getting the fullness of God or the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we talked about quenching the spirit. And we talked about that you get the Holy Spirit. But it's sort of interesting that Paul wrote this in Ephesians. Because if, we t if you look back a verse or two in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13... Paul said to them, um, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So in Ephesians 1.13, and this is another text, we didn't use this this morning, but this text indicates that you receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved. So if you're all saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you, right? And so Paul mentions that in verse, chapter 1, verse 13. And then in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 18, he says, for, though, for through him we, have, we, have, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. So we have the Holy Spirit when we're saved, we have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. 
So then why, the question you, ask, you could ask yourself is, why does he talk about in Ephesians chapter 3? He's already said you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to the Father, and then here in verse chapter 3, verse 16, he says he's praying for them that they might have the power of the Spirit. So Paul recognized that just because these guys had the Holy Spirit, they had access to the Father, they were still, what, lacking the might or power, or they, sometimes he calls it in, later on in verse um, 19, the fullness of God. They were lacking something. And so this morning we talked about quenching the Spirit, and these are the things you do living in the world that you can quench the Spirit. But we also, I think more importantly, not only did we not want to quench it, but we want to get the fullness of the Spirit. We want to live a life that people look at us and they say, wow, he or she is different. What's their problem? Well, that's because the Holy Spirit's guiding them. We want to have, I want to have, and I hope you do too, the power that Peter had, and we went through him this morning, what Peter had when he preached in the day of Pentecost, not the power he had when he denied Jesus three times. He had a lot of head knowledge, but the power he had when the day of Pentecost and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the kind of power I want as a believer, and that's the power that, that, um, that, that Peter had, and I want to have that power. So let's look at this verse for a little bit. So first of all, back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 16. Um, well, let's, let's start at verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, who is Paul addressing here? What is this? This is a prayer, right? It's a prayer. See this? And in particular, who's he praying to? God, right? It says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's clear. It's God the Father. And by the way, um, you'll sometimes hear this. People are like, well, I'm going to pray to Jesus. I'm praying to the Holy Spirit. We pray to God. Right? We pray to the Father. And so he's particularly praying to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've looked through the Bible, and I can't find any prayers that aren't to God the Father. That's who you pray to. So anyway, he's going to pray to God the Father. And he says, he's going to pray. And then in verse 15, it says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So God the Father. So what's his prayer? Let's look at the prayer that, 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 that Paul makes to God the Father that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So what's the first thing we notice here? He's praying for strength that he might have the might of the Holy Spirit within the inner man. So he's praying for the strength of the Holy Spirit. But is he praying... And this is the way I would pray, because I'm not very good at this stuff. God, I want to work hard and get this. I want to, get the, I want to be a good Christian. I want to do everything I can to really have the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not praying this at all. What he's praying is, is he's saying that I might, have, have this, I might be strengthened. And what this is, is it's a passive word. It's, so it's like he's saying, God, I want you to strengthen me. This is not something. And so the first thing we learn about the Holy Spirit 
and renewal being renewed by the Spirit has nothing to do with us. It has to do with God. He's the one that gives it. By the way, God the Father gives the Holy Spirit, and that's why Paul's praying to God the Father to give him the Holy Spirit. So he's praying to God that God would give Paul the Holy Spirit. And so we have to be very careful because it's easy, and I hope I didn't come across this way this morning, because it's very easy to say, okay, tell me the formula of how I can get the Holy Spirit. And remember when Paul, um, they, they, they were laying the, on of hands and the Holy Spirit was given, and that guy that was a sorcerer said, hey, I like that. I'll give you some money. to t- Give me that gift so I can lay hands on the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way, right? And he realized that, that it didn't work that way. And so what happens is, God's the one that gives it to us. And so the way to get renewed by the Spirit is to what? Pray to God and ask God to give us the strength or the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So it's something that comes from God. And so we have to be careful. We don't, and and we're driven this way. Okay, what's the formula? Well, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and I get this. And that's not the way God works. And that's not the way he works here. He's saying that I want you that I'm going to strengthen you and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. So Paul is specifically asking for God to give him the Holy Spirit. Um, so his prayers dedicated to God. And what's he asking for? He's asking in verse 16 with might by the Spirit. That word might means power, might, strength, force. So he's asking. He already, remember, Paul already said in Ephesians 1, they have the Holy Spirit. But what they're lacking is what? the might or power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's praying to God for, that they would have the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would be strengthened. And that's almost like the inner man, like, like within you, like you're the fullness of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I know I do this, and I'm this way, and, and maybe you are, maybe you're not. There's so many times that I'm not living in the power of the Spirit. right? I'm living in my own power. And so what he's saying is, Here's what you do, how you pray for it. So then, let's look at this. In this verse, um, in verse 19, it says, in the, in the end part of verse 19, that you be filled with all the fullness of God. And what does that word full mean? It means that that which makes something full or complete. And it means, and you notice he says there that you be filled with all. What does all mean? It means everything. It's like, you can say, well, I want to have some fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's no, God's promising you to give you all. That means everything, everything you need. It's not like, okay, I need half or I need some or a partial or get some. or be, He's giving this all. And so what he's saying at the end of this time, that, that we would have all the fullness of God. And think about this. And I mentioned this this morning. When we get to be with Christ in heaven, when we're with God and Christ in heaven, we're going to have the fullness of God. But here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm praying for these Ephesians that they would have the fullness of God when? When they get to heaven? No, now. So he's saying, you can have the fullness of God now. Yeah, we're going to be still sinners and, and you know, nothing's perfect. But he's, the ideal is that we would have the fullness of God now. So what I want to do tonight is look at this prayer. He says, I'm praying to God that you would be get the might or power of the Spirit. And at the end of the prayer, in verse 19, the end of full 19, that you might 
that, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And by the way, you look at verse 19. Is there a guarantee here? Not really, because it says that you might be filled with the power of God. There's some subjectivity here. So we need to look at this thing and see what he's doing. So let's look at this. So what does this mean to be filled with it? So from verse 17, okay, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. So the first thing he mentions here is to have the fullness of God would be our heart, that Christ may dwell in your heart. What does that mean for Christ dwelling in your heart? Um, when Christ dwells in your heart, we have the character of Jesus. And what do I mean by this? Jesus, when he came, he said, he died for our sins so that what? We can live for him. And so, when we look at this verse, to be strengthened or renewed in the spirit would be that we would have the character of Christ in us. And, and let's think about his character for a second. What did Jesus do? He gave a life of total obedience to his father. He, he gave a life of service to those in need. And they didn't even realize they were in need. He was rejected, but he still kept going. And then the ultimate character was demonstrated, obviously, on the cross where he died for the ungodly, right? He died for the ungodly. He was obedient. And so um, as we study the Gospels, we can understand, I don't know if we'll fully understand, but we can study the character of Christ. And so we should be, if, we want, if, we, if we're renewed by the Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And notice too, so, so we have the character of Christ, but the key word there is by faith. Can I go to you and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have the character of Christ. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to deny myself. I can read my Bible and I know what Jesus did and I'm going to, through my willpower, get that. And you'll probably, hopefully, laugh at me because that's not the way it works. So the key thing in here is what? By faith. And so, and you'll see that this is it. This is not a bunch of things. It's saying, I have faith in Jesus Christ. Such faith that his character will dwell in me. That I'm going to have that character. And I'm going to have faith that Christ is going to convict me when I don't have his character and, and I'm going to have to ask his forgiveness and Christ is going to help me to have the character of Christ. And so this whole idea here is that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That, that and, and we're, it even talks later on about the faith that passes understanding. Well, we'll get to that part. But this faith is this kind of faith that I'm not going to worry about things. I'm going to focus on Christ and his character and have faith. Um, a good example, um, people save up for retirement. And that's appropriate. God wants us to do that, right? But say there's a need. And it's like the Holy Spirit's convicted me to help in that need, but it might hurt my retirement. Am I willing to have faith that God will take care of me in my retirement 
by giving and helping in this need. Okay, now, we have to be careful. We don't want to be deceived and all, but that's the kind of faith it is. It's, am I willing to give up my security for Christ? Right? So, so we look at Jesus and, and we look at him and we say, you know, he, he, he had the character that he would have given that person a need and, you know, trusted God for the outcome. And so when we look at this, we want to have that kind of faith. And we need to challenge ourselves every time there's something comes up. There's an opportunity to help or need or give or something like that. We have to examine ourselves and say, you know, first of all, is this legitimate? Now, obviously, there's a lot of people that are out there trying to deceive you. But if it is, are we willing to, like, give up our security to help that person? Again, and that's just one example, but having the character of Christ. Um, and look at this. Our thoughts, feelings, and actions are motivated only by Christ. Our only desire is Christ. Okay, and again, this requires faith. We want to trust God for everything and don't hold anything back and requires total surrender. So that's the first thing. And when we could, if we could live that way, and I don't know if anybody could, obviously Jesus did, then we would be renewed through the Spirit. Then look at, the, and again, I have to be careful. It's not by our actions. It's by faith. And it's a gift from God. And then it says that you be rooted and grounded in love. So, what does that mean? That's, they're focusing on this one aspect of God. In John, 1 John 4, 7, it says, God is love. Right? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. God is love. And so, um, a lot of times that people will talk about Ephesians, I mean, 1 Corinthians 13 being the love chapter. And it's really not. It's 1 John um, chapter 4. And let me just read that to you. Hold your place in Ephesians, but I'll just read this to you. It says, in first, oops, that's not going to help. 1 Peter is not 1 John. Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Oops, I'm, I'm really bad here. That's 1 John chapter 3. I knew that didn't sound right. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because the God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And so the whole idea here is that we have to have that kind of love. Now what does that mean? Obviously, there's times when you, when you have to give tough love. There's times when, you, when, you, when, 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 when it's hard to do that. But the whole idea here is that we, he loved us so much that he sent his son that we might live through him. Do we deserve our salvation? No. Not at all. We didn't deserve anything. And Jesus loved us. God loved us to send his son that he died for us. Um, and that word propitiation of me, the sacrifice for our sin, the sin offering, he gave himself for that. Um, and so when we look at this thing, um, God 
demonstrated his love for us. And what we're saying here is if we, as we have the Holy Spirit in us, we'll have the faith to have that kind of love. We'll have the faith to have the kind of love that, that, that he's talking about here. Um, and when we think about that, it's just amazing to me. So, let's, so the next thing we said is that we have to have love. Now, um, how do we share love? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, he says to have compassion on those in need. I mean, I don't like talking about people, but I want to talk about Bill and Jen for a second. They've been visiting Peg Willie on a regular basis every week. Is that a sacrifice to their family? Sure. Now, Bill will say no. He's shaking his head no, and it's not. But, and again, do we all have to go visit Peg Willie? No. That's not the point here. But the whole idea of sacrificing your time to visit a person who's struggling right now, uh, who's, who's like not their best friend. I guess she probably is now, but she wasn't their best friend um, just because she's a part of our church. And see, to me, that's a good example where love is demonstrated by compassion. Again, i sorry, Bill. But that, you know, that and that's not and he's going to probably yell at me afterwards and he should because that's not the purpose of he's that's not why he's doing it. Right. And his wife's doing it, too. And she's she's been doing a lot. But the whole idea here is that that we have that compassion. And so when I talked about being renewed in the spirit, it's like having the kind of faith that we can have that kind of love that we can demonstrate to those in need. And again, there's all different ways. Um. And, and also, by, it's not just the compassion, but it's deeds. And it's confidence that God will, will provide for us when we do that. You know, Bill goes home and Jen goes home and she has to figure out dinner. She has to figure out dinner. And, that, you know, like, who cares? They're showing love. Okay, so the next thing here is, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that we would have the character of Christ by faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love. And again, let me just, before I move on again, one last thing. Love is the most important character quality that God demonstrates. God is love. You know, that's from 1 John. God is holy. There's a lot of things we could talk about. But God's love is so much that even in his holiness, he had to die on the cross because of his holiness. But God loved us. And so, if you love others, true love, not just appeasing them love, or, but true love, you're going a long way to having the character of Christ. If that's the only thing you do, you're going to be pretty good if you can show love. Number, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. So what does that mean? To comprehend with all sense, which is the breadth and length and depth and height. Obviously, there's three dimensions, but there's actually four dimensions here. Um, so what is that? It's something that all the saints or all the believers can do. It's to comprehend God. And so he's saying here that when we are able to have the Holy Spirit and the fullness of God, we're able to comprehend God, the depth, the breadth, the width. He's making the point, it's all of God, all the dimensions of God. 
And how do we do that? I mean, I, I, I believe that we're going to spend eternity getting to know God. As much as we think we know him now, we're, God is infinitely, infinite, and, and it's going to take for infinity for us to really know God. But he's saying here that the, to know the fullness of God, to have the might of the Spirit, we need to do that. So how do we know, how do we know about God? How do we know about his, all, I mean, the breadth, the length, and depth? You know, Bill works with contractors, Bill and Dave does too. Breath went that means you, it's three-dimensional. You know everything about it, right? You know everything about it. And so what he's saying here is we have to know that. And how do we do it? God gave us his word, right? I have the word. Now, the Holy Spirit's going to help me interpret this. And I'm probably going to spend eternity trying to understand what this says. But I have God's word and I can study this word and here's what happens. Can I, I can go and I can get the brilliant scholar and they can read this word. But it doesn't matter. It's the Holy Spirit that enables you to understand the word of God. So you can get a brilliant scholar that's not saved. And they can understand what the words say. But they don't understand what God's saying. But God gave us the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It doesn't matter how smart you are. You can study this word. And you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to work in you. It's going to, you're going to get the fullness of the Spirit. And, you know, that's what you say. Well, you know, I went, when I was little, I went to Sunday school and I learned the Bible and I read the Bible through once. I'm good. And hopefully you're, you're thinking that's crazy. Because you know what? I've read the Bible many times. And you know what? I, I, it's amazing to me how the Holy Spirit works. You read the Bible... And you're like, okay, I think I understand this. And then two years later, a couple years later, you read that same verse and you're like, wow, I didn't see this. And so the Holy Spirit helps us do it, but we need to read the Word of God. And so when we look at being filled with the Spirit and getting the might of this power, you can't do that if you're not trying to, if you're not working to study the Word of God. And that we, but but the promise is through the Holy Spirit that we would be able to what comprehend. With all saints, which is the breadth, length, and depth, and length. By the way, that all saints, this is one of those things that God promises you that no matter who you are and what you are, if you read God's word, you're going to be filled and being able to understand God. And it's a promise not to like pastors or teachers or anybody special in the search. It's to what? All saints, which means all believers. Every believer no matter how smart you are, dumb you are, whatever you are, no matter who you are, it says that you'll be able to comprehend it. But look at the word there, that may be able to. Does that sound certain? No. And why not? Well, if I don't read the word of God, guess what? I'm not going to grow in my faith. So if I'm not reading the word of God, then I'm not going to be getting the breadth and length and depth and height of God because I'm not going to be reading it. But I can guarantee if you read it, and there's no, you know, people read through the Bible in a year, there's still these formulas. No, just read the Bible. Right? Read the Bible. And what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to work within you that you're going to be able to comprehend with all the saints that read the Bible what is the breadth and length and depth and height of God. So the next thing, if you want to have the fullness of the Spirit, Paul's praying in this prayer saying, have the character of Christ, 
Be rooted and grounded in love. But then, read the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you so that you get to know God better. But Because if you want to have the character of Christ, what do you have to do? If you read the Word of God, you'll know the character of Christ. If you read the Word of God, you'll know what it means to have the love of Christ. Right? And so, the, what he's saying here is that we want to be able to comprehend through our study of the Scriptures the Word of God. And what does Peter, what did, what did, what did uh, Paul say in 2 Timothy 3.16? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So he's saying, read the Word of God. And this is where, again, I can go and read the Word of God intellectually, but it's the Holy Spirit that works in me. But if I'm not reading, how can the Holy Spirit work in me to understand the Word of God? So that's my job. My job is to read, let the Holy Spirit enlighten me as I read the Word of God. And then, look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Okay. Wait a second. I thought we already covered love. In verse... um, 17, it says that you may be rooted and grounded in love. Wait a second. How can this be? I'm, did I make a mistake here? It says that you, that you would have all of a sudden that you would, uh, the, the, the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. How can a love pass knowledge? Well, what happens is when we look at what happened on the cross, it doesn't make sense. It passes all knowledge. Um, Jesus, who is fully God, think about this, humbled himself to become a man and then gave his life on the cross to die for sinners, for, for wretched sinners. It doesn't make sense. And so what he's talking about here is that this love that he's talking about is the love of Christ which passeth knowledge or understanding. The world doesn't understand this. There's all these false religions because they can't, they can't get their head wrapped around this. It, it's beyond comprehension. It's beyond understanding. And so he's saying here is that to have the fullness of the Spirit, we have to understand the love of Christ that passeth understanding. That God would come down. I mean, the fact that Jesus, God became a man. Could you, I mean, just, how do you comprehend that? I mean, we talk about it, we celebrate that on Christmas, and it's a great thing, but I I think we'll probably spend eternity trying to figure that out. That God became a man. Then he, then he lived this perfect life. And he said, well, that's good. That now we have an example. We know who to follow. No, he knew he couldn't follow that. So then he, he, his love was so much that he, that he gave himself up to die, not for the righteous, but for sinners. So, so he had this love, and it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it, 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 it passes understanding. It, it doesn't make sense. The world doesn't understand this because... This love that he had passes all understanding. And you know what? 
The only way to understand this love is through the Holy Spirit. The only, that's why when sometimes you witness the people and you explain this to them, and they, like, their eyes glaze, glaze over and they're like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. And you pray that the Holy Spirit works in them to lead them to Christ. But what he's saying here is that part of the fullness of God is to really understand the love of Christ which passeth knowledge or understanding. And then he says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Um, so we look at this and we're like, okay, Paul's praying to God, the Father, that we would have the strength or power of the Holy Spirit and we would be filled with the fullness of God. And what does he say? He says, number one, uh, that Christ... Um, may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. That we'll have the character of Christ and it only requires faith. It re- I mean, it requires absolutely faith. That you may be rooted and grounded in love. That you'll have the love that Christ had to lay himself down, to give himself for that. Again, that requires faith. To be able to comprehend with all saints the breadth and length and depth and breadth. It's not just grin and bear it, read the word of God. It's a desire and reading the Word of God and having the Holy Spirit work in us to enlighten us so that we understand all of God, right? And then to know the love of Christ, to understand. And again, I think it's a continual thing. I, I think as much as I understand what Christ did on the cross, it's, hard, it's, it's like beyond comprehension. It's so magnificent. And that we could have that... Um, to understand God. Now, all these things. So, I'm not coming to you and saying tonight, okay, read your Bible. Do this. Do that. This is not the way it works. Because it's all coming from God. So, how does this happen? And I think the key word in this whole process is the word faith. Now, you, if you're born again, and I probably, I think everybody here is, you have faith in Christ. You're, you're trusting Christ for the finished work on the cross. You're trusting him for your salvation. But I ask you, do you have faith in God? Do you have faith in God? Are you living each day with faith in God? And it's like, are you willing to like give it all? Are you willing to trust God for your present? Are you willing to trust God for your future? Are you willing to give something up to somebody in need? Because, but, it, but I need it for my security. Well, no, my security is in Christ. So, so, the, so the question is faith. And, and here's what faith is so important. Um, if we want the fullness of the Spirit, God's going to give it to us. We can pray like, we can follow Paul's example and make this prayer. But we have to have faith. And when I was thinking about faith, um, I want to just read from Mark. Um, actually, you can turn there. Mark chapter 6. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to, you can. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. And look what, what, what Paul talks about here is the faith that they need. And here's, the, it's an amazing thing to me, because look, look at this. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, and, and he, referring to Jesus, went out from thence and came unto his own country, and his disciples followed him. So Jesus is going around 
this is in the start of his ministry. He's been doing miracles. He's been healing. He's been doing all these things. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is that this which he has given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So here Jesus goes and preaches in the synagogue, and the people are like astonished. But look at the problem in verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? They knew him. They knew it was. They, who knows? He might have built somebody a cabinet or something, right? They, they're like, hey, that guy's the guy that built my cabinet. Now he's preaching in the synagogue and with all this power and might. Uh, isn't he, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joses and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended, or offended at him. Here's Jesus, the son of God. Here's Jesus, the Messiah. He's doing mighty miracles. He's teaching. He's doing mighty works. And these people, what is their problem? They didn't have any faith. Because they knew who he was. They knew he was the corpser. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the villages teaching. What? Jesus? Couldn't do money, money miracles? How can he's God? How can Jesus not be able to do mighty miracles? Because they lacked faith. You see that faith is so important that even Jesus, who rose people from the dead, I mean, he created the world, and. And because of their lack of faith, he could do no mighty works. Now, obviously, he's God. He could do anything, right? But their lack of faith limited the power of Christ. And I believe that if you want to be renewed by the Spirit, we have to walk in faith. Not just, I mean, not faith in Jesus Christ. You have that if you're saved. But we have to live a life where we walk in faith. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to walk in faith? Whatever the Lord leads you to do, you're willing to do. And I believe that when you do that, that he will be able to do mighty miracles for you. And I think that's what we saw on the day of Pentecost with Peter. He wasn't walking by faith when he denied Jesus. After the, he had the Holy Spirit, he walked by faith and he was able to what? Preach. 3,000 were saved. He went to the Pharisees that he was afraid of and he confronted them. And by the way, what happened to him? They threw him in jail. Well, that didn't work very good because remember the angels came and took him out of jail. <laughs> right? And so um, he looked at that. One other thing too. Um, look at, um, let me just read Mark, Matthew 17. Here's another example. Matthew 17. Now this is again, before the Holy Spirit came. But in Matthew 17, verse 14, it says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, 
Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is, in, a, he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. What did he say? O faithless and perverse generation. But look at that word, faithless. Did they have faith that they could heal this man? No. And then what happened? And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How about this kind cometh out by prayer and fasting? And now Jesus knew they didn't have the Holy Spirit. He knew they were going to get power in the future. But what was the problem? They didn't have faith. And again, I don't know if we're ever going to have the faith that we're hopefully going to have when we're in heaven. But I do know that if we have faith and trust God, God will do mighty works in us that will be renewed by the Spirit. And so this morning I said, Let, let's not the Spirit quench us. But the positive thing is, let's have the kind of faith to study the Word of God and know that God, the Holy Spirit's going to work with me when I'm studying. When I read my Bible, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal stuff to me. That I'm going to be able to have the character of Christ by faith, not by my abilities because I don't have that kind of ability and so this is not saving faith but this is the faith that God can do anything in your life that you can walk by faith and you know what you're going to have the fullness of God and you're going to be renewed and that to me is what I want to be as a believer I want to have that kind of faith that I'm going to trust God and God's going to be glorified and I'm going to have the fullness of God in me and hopefully it's just an easy transition when I get to heaven because I'm going to already have a lot of the fullness of God in me will we ever get there on this side of, of heaven no but I would challenge you to have that kind of faith in God that you would have his character that you would have his love and that you would have um last one that you would have um, the love that passes all understanding and that you would be able to learn his word and have confidence that when you read the Bible the Holy Spirit can, will lead you let's pray Lord to have the fullness of God in us we need to live by faith we have to avoid the trap of of wanting to earn it or work for it. It doesn't work that way. It's a gift from you. Lord, I ask that you would enable me and the people here to be willing to surrender all for Christ, to live a life rooted and grounded in love, that we would be compassionate in our speaking and in our deeds, Lord 
that we would be a master of your word, not because we're smart, but because we are led by your spirit to follow your word. And that we would have the kind of faith that Jesus talked about where the disciples lacked that faith and were unable to, to do a mighty work. But that you, we would have the faith, Lord, that you would be able to do mighty works in us. Lord, I ask that you would give me and each person here that kind of faith. That we would be able to do what? Do what Peter did. Be bold to be able to do your will, Lord. Guide us, Lord, to have that kind of faith. And we know, Lord, that your promise is if, as, as, we, as we, that we get that faith. And again, it's not just us. We just do these things and you give us that faith. We will have the fullness of God and the might of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.